Hello, and welcome to the Faith and Sustainability Podcast. I am your host, Leonard Robinson. This podcast is a project of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Atlanta, Laudato Si Initiative. On this podcast, we will go on a journey to explore the role of the Catholic Church and other faiths impact in sustainability. Experts, theologians, and thought leaders will share their opinions and perspectives as guests on the podcast. Sustainability focuses on meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. The concept of sustainability is composed of three pillars, social, environmental, and economic, also known as people, planet, and prosperity. This podcast is made possible with the generous funding and support from the Archbishop's Annual Appeal, Georgia Interfaith Power and Light, Rutherford Seidel, Jamie Lanier, the Volomoff Family Foundation, the Sustainable Environmental Management Company, St. Francis Services, and the time, treasure, and talent from several individuals. The Faith and Sustainability Podcast is coming to you from the Archdiocese of Atlanta Chancery in Smyrna, Georgia. We're blessed to have Brian Savoie on today's episode of Faith and Sustainability. Brian is the Sustainability Program Coordinator for the Archdiocese of Atlanta Laudato Si Initiative. He works with parishes and schools to create and implement sustainability improvement plans. He has supported Atlanta's Laudato Si Works since 2015 and is helping the Archdiocese become a national leader in environmental sustainability. He has a passion for the environment and 30 years of experience as an engineer, manager, and consultant. He applies creative solutions to solve real-world problems. Brian holds BS and MS in mechanical engineering from Duke and Georgia Tech, respectively. He is the owner of St. Francis Services, a firm that helps organizations make the most of the earth, water, sun, and resources that God has given us. An interesting fact about Brian, he met his future wife, Sabine, on a high-adventure backpacking trip in Grand Canyon. He hiked down the canyon as a single guy, and hiked out with his soulmate. In 30 years of marriage, they have rafted the mighty Zambezi in Zimbabwe, been on a camping safari in South Africa, explored remote regions of British Columbia, hiked the rainforest in Puerto Rico, and worked on mission trips in Nicaragua. Wow, that's quite a bit, Brian. Welcome to the Faith and Sustainability Podcast. Thanks, Leonard. It's great to be here. You know, very, very impressive background. Now we're going to talk about uh, uh, a little about what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do today. Uh, tell us about your connection to the environment. Well, you know, I'd have to say it started a long time ago. Uh, I grew up one block from the Mississippi River. So uh, one of my main playgrounds as a kid was actually the shores of the Mississippi. And so uh, if you think a little bit about Tom Sawyer and what you've seen there, that was a little bit of, of my life as a kid. Um, also loved to go fishing with my grandfather in the marshes of South Louisiana. And um, even within Scouts, was lucky enough to have some great leaders that took us from uh, places in Louisiana all the way up to the Smoky Mountains and even to the Rocky Mountains on trips with 14, 15, and 16-year-olds. So all that connection started really early. Uh, even today, I love to hike and canoe and go rafting. It's something we've done with our family all through our life, even when our kids were babies. Uh, at home, we chose a home to be surrounded by nature. We live one block from the Chattahoochee River. So even as we walk in our neighborhood, we might see, as I did this morning, two hawks flying around over our house or a red, red fox or even over the weekend, a barred owl in our backyard. Um, the last thing I'll mention about my connection to nature, and it's partly because of where I grew up, is uh, I have a great respect for the awesome power 
of nature to to provide for us and to recreate itself. Uh, massive forests and land that provides things to eat, the metals and minerals that we use to make the things that we use every day, and even the energy that powers our society, it all comes through nature. I also have a great respect for the power of nature to remind us of our place, in fact, to take away what is given. Having lived through Hurricane Betsy in New Orleans, which caused the Mississippi River to rise rise, uh, eight feet in just a few hours, Uh, having had Hurricane Camille hit in my grandmother's hometown, Waveland, Mississippi, uh, with 175 mile an hour winds, and having lived with the aftermath of mainly through my family, but through many friends of Katrina with the 28-foot tidal surge on the Mississippi coast. I am definitely in awe of nature with its power and ability to provide. So to answer your question, it started very early and it continues today. And frankly, I'm just daily awed by what nature provides and what it is. You had a front row seat <laughs> to Absolutely. a lot of things. Absolutely. Well, well, tell us, what did you do before you got involved with Lodato C? Well, it's funny. You know, I've always been a, a little bit of what people might call a tree hugger. But uh, but my real career was uh, industrial management consulting, working in lots of factories and distribution centers, helping companies to improve how they engineered product, how they manufactured it, and even how they distributed it through the supply chain. Uh, I've worked with lots of different companies, ones you would know from A to Z. Let's cover ABCD, Areva, which makes nuclear power plants and maintains them. BP, you know all about what BP does. Uh, Coca-Cola and Delta Airlines, just to go ABCD. But lots of large companies all over the world. And the thing about my work with them that I think relates to what we're doing here is I always worked with improving operational performance, improving the, the way people work within processes and use information systems and use their facilities, uh, efficiency, if you will. I also worked with large teams, some of them global in nature, over multiple years, kind of like this effort with Laudato Si. And in addition, I worked with people who were just maybe warehouse workers or factory workers, but also all the way up to CEOs. So uh, that experience comes into this work in that I work with lots of different kinds of operations, people at many different levels of management and and in society and in many different places around the world. And I think that uh, leads to the kind of things that we may need to carry Laudato Si all the way through the Archdiocese of Atlanta and other places. Well, you know, thanks for sharing your sustainability journey. You know, it, it kind of gives us a, a background of, of your qualifications and why you, why you were picked to work in this. But how does your faith shape your perspectives on sustainability? Well, you know, that's a really good question. And uh, uh, thinking about this a little bit, my Catholic faith does definitely shape my perspectives on sustainability. But I'll also say my pers- perspectives on sustainability shape my Catholic faith. Uh, God gave us the earth as our home and asked us to be good stewards of that. So certainly we must care for God's planet and people. But for anyone who has ever really looked, and I mean really looked at the earth and, and possibly parts of the cosmos up close, you can only be in awe of the creation and the creator. Uh, look at the patterns in the sand on the beach. Look at the inside of a flower or the fractal patterns of a coastline. 
Um, look at the power of a hurricane or the birth of stars, the regenerative nature of certain things. It, it's like magic, really, but it's really about God's power and his majesty and his plan. And this must inform our faith. So that's where my views of sustainability actually inform my faith as much as my faith informs my views of sustainability. How could we possibly think that we're in charge? Very good point. Well, now we move a little bit closer. How did you get involved with the Laudato Si initiative? Well, you know, this is one of those stories that uh, I guess will always just be a really good story. In the years before 2013, my wife, Sabine, who you mentioned earlier, and I had actually written a business plan to form a small consulting firm to help organizations to make the most of the earth and the water and the sun and the wind, especially organizations that didn't have some way to do that on their own, ones that would need help doing that. We were ready to start the company. We had picked a name, St. Francis Services, but we still didn't quite have the guts to go, to quit what else we were doing and to go. So while we were waiting to take that first big step, waiting for a sign, if you will, on May 24th, 2015, Sabine's birthday, the Pope published the Laudato Si encyclical. That's all we needed to to begin our journey toward doing much more of St. Francis services and much less of what we'd done in the past. So we started our company then, and very soon after that, I saw what was happening here in Atlanta. I happened to see Susan Varlamov's name mentioned related to Laudato Si. Met her at a Starbucks coffee shop, and as she'll say, with a wobbly table. <laughs> and uh, we chatted there and talked about how I basically just had to be involved in this work going forward. And from that day, uh, through changes in archbishops, changes in VPs of operations in the archdiocese, changes through VPs of development and directors of communications, since that day, I've been involved with Laudato Si initiative as it is today. Oh, great. Yeah, uh, you know, Susan and the wobbly table. I think I've heard that story before. (laughs) Okay, well, explain how your background allows you to contribute to the Laudato Si initiative in a unique way. Well, you know, everyone who jumps in with both feet in the Laudato Si initiative has a lot to offer. So uh, it's a, a challenging group to be with because everyone knows so much and is so capable. But as I mentioned earlier, my consulting career focused on helping large organizations to succeed, and especially in complex projects, projects that they hadn't ever done before you know, also known as first of a kind. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of these efforts involve changes in procedures and processes and information systems, roles and organizations, facilities, performance metrics, often concurrently and often in many, many locations at the same time. This first of a kind change management experience definitely plays in with the Laudato Si initiative in that the encyclical by the Pope was a first of a kind. The Atlanta Laudato Si action plan was a first of its kind. Therefore, those demanded a first of its kind Laudato Si initiative program, a proposal, and a work plan to make it happen. And that's that's my unique contribution is to help to help to have help develop that program and that work plan to support these other first of a kinds. Yeah, there's no no roadmap to follow. Right. You know? It is a first of a kind. <laughs> we're we're the ones laying it out. Okay. You know, speaking of the initiative, what are the objectives 
What are the initial focus areas? Great question. You know, uh, others have spoken about the mission and vision and goals, the bigger picture things. But where the rubber meets the road is what are we really trying to accomplish and by when? Um, The team putting it together, uh, this plan together, defined 12 or so numerical or measurable objectives. But they range from things as soft but as important as influencing hearts and minds and behaviors to align with Laudato Si, to being active in the public square, taking the stand on issues, if you will, uh, to reducing the environmental impact of transportation, and numerous other things. But the ones we're focusing on first, because they're so practical, and it's a win-win for those who get involved with, they're focusing on about four things. One is creating a culture of care for creation in parishes and schools. Two, reducing energy by at least 25%, energy use that is, 25% reductions on water use, and up to 50% reductions in reducing waste going to landfill, and then the associated reduction in the carbon footprint by 25%. Those are the initial objectives that we're working on right now and have been for the past few years. How does this like first-time approach and work plan support the objectives of the scope of the initiative? Uh, with the Laudato Si initiative being so broad, you know, and others have mentioned the scope, but just to, to touch on that, perhaps up to 128 locations, parishes and schools, if you will. Ten different aspects of the action plan to implement everything from conserving energy to taking a stand in the public square. Uh, seven to ten years of work across across the archdiocese, maybe five years involvement by each church. This is a so this is a significant effort if if it plays out that way. The way the approach and work plan support the objectives is to uh, pick a few objectives first and therefore begin work in those areas first. So if our one of our first objectives was to reduce energy usage by 25%, one of the first things we engage w- with parishes and schools on is reducing their energy use by up to 25% or more. Same with water, same with energy conservation. So we've, we've scoped the effort to be large, but we're taking in bite-sized chunks and taking only 10 to 12 parishes and schools at a time. So our, our small team uh, won't be overwhelmed by working with over 100 parishes and schools at once. So that's the approach is to, to look very broadly and take the long-range view, but also to t- take a very practical approach in the near term and take s- small amounts of effort at a time with those who are ready, willing, and able. Consume that elephant one bite at a time, right? Right, and so far <laughs> it's tasted pretty good. <laughs> okay, what strategies are important for the success of the initiative? Well, uh, you know, anyone can lay out a project plan and look at a timeline and resources and all, but the the sort of the, the lifeblood or the culture of an effort like this is how you go about the work. And that's what we call strategies. And so uh, certainly working within a Catholic organization, we have to look at Catholic social teaching and how those teachings relate to the work we're doing. So two key strategies that we're working with are subsidiarity and solidarity. Subsidiarity meaning to have uh, to seek to have leadership and decisions and work done from the lowest local level possible by people close to the point of the change so this effort is not about forcing something from the top or demanding too much from a, a parish that's not ready what it is about is working with those who are ready willing and able uh, and waiting for the right time for them to be ready willing and able in, in the sense of solidarity this is really about 
no one left behind. It's about advancing together. And so uh, we look for solidarity in, in ways that can allow people to involve themselves through time, talent, and treasure. Uh, often people will donate their time if you define what you need and why. They'll often provide their talent, their knowledge, again, if you define that need and listen to how they can contribute and find a way for them to contribute. Lastly, on, on uh, treasure, solidarity is frankly about not being afraid to ask for money. You know, if you define a real need and people have more than they need, and if they believe in this cause, they are sometimes willing to contribute to this cause. So that those two uh, strategies, subsidiarity and solidarity, are two two key ones that we're working on and working with every day. How much time and resources will it take to accomplish the objectives of the initiative across the Archdiocese of Atlanta? Well, that's a big question yep. with a big answer. <laughs> um, we knew from the beginning this would be a seven to ten year effort. That's before COVID was even considered. So let's say that seven to 10 years has definitely a 10-year plan as a planning number. So 10 years of effort if it goes the way we want. And frankly, no, by, by pure coincidence, we think it may be as much uh, expenditure is $10 million across those 10 years when you add up most of what we believe needs to happen. Uh, there's a Laudato Si Initiative support team that provides things like program management and water and energy audits and uh, handling data and those kind of things. There's a, a leadership and support group that provides expertise in certain areas like materials management and finance um, and environmental justice. Uh, and then there's even work at the parish and school level, which is frankly a whole different set of numbers. Uh, for a given parish or school, we think this might take about three to five years for them to implement most of what the Laudato Si pl action plan holds for them. And it might take as much as a thousand days of someone's time across that parish to make this go, a thousand work days, if you will. If we take that to the archdiocese level, not counting the parish, and school time, it could be as much as 10,000 or 15,000 work days of effort over those 10 years to bring all of this to fruition and to gain all the benefits that may come from it. Well, how does, you know, you spoke about the LSI support team. How does the support team help parishes and schools bring Laudato C to life? It's really all about providing a connection between the need and resources. Many parishes are very capable and can do almost everything they need to make this effort go. So it may be just connecting them with a few key resources and then they're off and running. Uh, they may not need any help on money. They may not need any help on energy or water or waste expertise. They may not need any help on managing their work. So some don't need much at all. But for those who do need help in some way, what we're able to provide through our, our small team is faster, more effective ways to get results. Things like assisting in assessing their facilities and their energy use and water use, things like uh, performance benchmarking against other parishes and schools so they can get an idea of where they stand, uh, helping them apply for matching grants to do improvements at their facility, helping them develop three-year improvement plans that they can bring to a pastoral council to make a case for the changes they want to make. Uh, also, let's not forget just getting each church and school up and running with a creation care team is one of our main objectives up front. And certainly there's a lot of things we, can, we do to help support that growth of those teams. What 
resources are available today and what resources are still needed? The first thing I would say is if we look at the amount of resources I mentioned earlier, I think we're, we're running now with about less than 10% of those that we really think we need for this effort. So we're in early days still, even though we've been at it a little while. The resources that we have are certainly the creation care teams in the parishes and individual Catholic faithful in those parishes who aren't yet part of teams. There's our fairly small Laudato Si support team here centered in the archdiocese with Kat Doyle and Leonard, that's you, and myself and Susan Varlamoff and Jay Bassett, who I know will appear on other podcasts. We're also very closely working with Georgia Interfaith Power and Light, Cody Nord and others you've mentioned. Uh, we, another part of our support, however, is the full support that we're getting from Archbishop Hartmeyer and Bishops Consen, Schlesinger, and Bishop Tran, of course. We're also getting great help from a number of groups within the Chancery, including the Communications Department. Uh, not saying that just because we're here today, but because <laughs> they have provided and will continue to provide a lot of help that we really need. And then uh, at a little, little further reach, but certainly helping us in a number of ways, other partners and collaborators such as uh, the U.S. Green Building Council and even the utility companies in some way in, in terms of rebates and things like that. Uh, and then lastly, contributions is another type of resource that we're, we are getting some of today through Archbishop's Annual Appeal, through do individual donors and benefactors and participants. What we don't have yet today for the second part of your question yeah. is, <laughs> is we only have a small amount of the total funding that we think we'll need over the 10 years. So there's that. And then specifically, what we're aiming to be able to build uh, in the future is more education capability to bring uh, the facts, figures, and practices and procedures of Laudato Si out to more people, to provide more subject matter expertise in certain areas where we require deep knowledge and the hands to help implement improvements based on that knowledge. And then lastly, a financial analyst or consultant. So there are some specific things we're looking for as we grow. Okay, well, you know, we've done, you know, so much with so little. <laughs> but give us examples of progress and results. Well, there are a couple of different levels we can, can uh, talk about this at. One would be at that parish and school level, and I think that one's the most important because that's where the changes you know, need to happen. Uh, in the areas that we've worked in so far, primarily related to creating, helping to create creation care teams, uh, reduce energy use, reduce water use, reduce waste, we've seen some great results. Uh, out of the parishes and schools we work with, well over 50% have standing creation care teams and others have at least a key leader or two with a very small team. Uh, we've also seen uh, 15 to 40 percent reductions in energy use at many parishes and schools, 20 to 50 percent reductions in water use at a number of them, and where we've worked on waste reduction, we've seen 50 to 80 percent reductions in waste. So we're seeing some great results uh, among these first 30 plus parishes and schools. There are other things that aren't numerical, things like uh, doing more education of youth about what Laudato Si is and, and how they relate to it and what they can do about it. Uh, things like uh, beginning to look at rooftop solar in a more serious way now that some of the basic and fundamental improvements have already been made. Um, and also getting more involved with advocacy, things like titanium mining around the Okefenokee or 
trying to strongly encourage Georgia Power to truly take care of and clean up its coal ash ponds, especially near aquifers in Georgia. So in terms of progress and results, there are numerical things. There's some that aren't so numerical. Uh, and then there are perhaps things that are just worth mentioning, things like uh, we have people involved at a national level within Laudato Si improvement type work. Uh, we fortunately have received a fair amount of media attention related to the work here, and that in itself is a form of progress and that we're being recognized as being leaders in the U.S. in this work. And we hope that will lead us to more resources to continue and grow the momentum of this work. So by joining the initiative, what do the schools and the parishes agree to do? Well, you know, it's a great question, and um, it's really important, I think, to set clear expectations early on so people aren't afraid to sign up, but they also know what ex- what is expected of them when they do. And um, this is usually covered in a conversation. In fact, it's always covered in a conversation with the pastor and principal and key people within those organizations. Things like we do have them sign a memo of understanding that explains these things. We, we won't move forward with them until the pastor or principal has said yes in writing. Uh, and the things they're saying yes to are sharing information about their energy, water, and waste, uh, and about their facility, developing a three-year sustainability improvement plan so that they can truly make the improvements, not just have an assessment that identifies the improvements. Uh, it's a promise to create or start or strengthen an existing creation care team uh, and that may take a while and some persistence to make happen. We're all, we also ask them to commit to looking for matching grants for the improvements they may make so that they don't have to shoulder the whole burden themselves. And then uh, the other things we kind of offer, but it's also we ask them to, is to, to network with other parishes and schools because no one has all the answers, but together we can get most of the answers we need and move ahead. So those are the types of things that we are asking them to commit to do. Who can join the initiative and who has already joined, or can you tell? (laughs) It's no secret. Um, First of all, we actively seek out parishes and schools who have at least begun some effort in Laudato Si. Um, If we hear that someone is trying to reduce their energy use or starting to create a, to, to form a team or is doing a lot of work related to vegetable gardening or pollinator gardens or those kind of things, they're often our best candidates because they already see uh, the need and have the desire to do the work and have begun. Uh, to more fully answer your question, any parish, mission, or school uh, who can show that they're ready, willing, and able to join can join. Uh, we do, however, insist that the, the pastor or principal be fully on board. And so far, uh, over 30 have formally joined the, the initiative with another eight or 10 working independently. What is the process uh, for a parish or school to join the initiative? It's pretty simple, actually. All they would need to do is contact myself or Leonard Robinson across the table here or Cat Doyle. That can be by phone. Email's also easy. We're all on the Archdiocese email system. B-Savoie, B-S-A-V-O-I-E at archatl.com. L. Robinson at archatl.com. And K. Doyle at archatl.com. And then we'll meet with you talk a little bit about where your church or school is. Uh, Do you understand what you may be signing up for? Share who's 
already been doing the work, we would gather some basic data and then get moving. So it's really a pretty simple process, but it begins with contacting uh, one of us. How else can uh, the parishes and schools get information on the initiative? Where else can they get find information? They can find a bit of information on the Laudato Si initiative website, uh, which is on the Archdiocese's larger website. I should say Laudato Si initiative webpage yes. uh, on the Archdiocese's website. You might find it under Life, Dignity, and Justice, uh, or through emailing any one of us whose emails I just provided a minute ago, and you'll find a pretty quick response, I think, about providing information and pointing to things that would be useful. As we wrap up this great interview, why don't you give our listeners a call to action, Brian? Well, I'm going to fall back on Pope Francis for this. Pope Francis asked us to do six things in the encyclical. He asked us to observe God's creation and its current condition, Mm -hmm. observe how we live, ponder and discern what that means to each of us, to seek some type of conversion toward the ecology, toward the environment, if you need it, to look around and know that there's help around you, and then to lead and act with love. And that's where I'm going to jump off with my own, own call to action, which is that all of us can do something, and some of us can do quite a lot. All right. Well, everybody out there, you got Brian's call to action, so make it happen. No excuses. That This was great. Brian, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Archdiocese of Atlanta Faith and Sustainability Podcast from the Chancery at the Archdiocese in beautiful Smyrna, Georgia. On behalf of those that make this podcast possible, I am your host, Leonard Robinson. Meet me next week on the corner of Faith and Sustainability. May the Lord be with you. The preceding podcast is a production of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Atlanta. Copyright 2023.